Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. Ian. What's up, guys? And Jehu. No! For some dumb reason, three years after its release and one week before or the week of its sequel, we're here to talk about Tom Hardy's Venom. It's genuinely kind of amazing that we didn't do this at the time. I understand it wasn't like super critically well received, but it's just it's so much in our wheelhouse that I can't believe that we didn't already do this. I feel like we probably discussed it, but I think because you didn't see it, we didn't talk about it. That's fair. I think I think Joseph specifically said it's not cinema. He wasn't going to talk. about. It. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting words in my mouth, but words that I would have said. <laughs> I, th- I think it came out the same week as the star is born. So that's more Joseph. Um, <laughs> well, I remember you being a pretty big fan of a star is born. So we'll blame oh. Ian here. <laughs> well, we can also blame Ian for today's episode because that's exactly I was, what I was going to say. I was going to go through the rest of my life without having seen this movie and be better for it probably. But, here I am now, four dollars poorer, having seen uh, having seen Venom. Look, it was either this or nothing. No one else was suggesting anything. <laughs> you weren't here for the majority of 2020, Ian, but we came up with a lot of shit over nothing, and, and we could have done it again. <laughs> and very last minute too. We we talked for 45 minutes on shit. We decided five minutes before we started many times. Yep. But here we are. Alas, this movie is about down on his luck. Eddie Brock, who comes into contact with an alien creature, which I don't know if bestows upon him. Superpowers is the correct term, because I don't think Eddie has any, but uh, proceeds to convince it to not kill innocent people. And fight crime, sort of, while he tries to get a lead on evil quasi-scientist guy. I'd say it does give him the the power to sweat a little more. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Like, he's already pretty sweaty in the beginning, but once he has venom, he sweats a little more. (laughs) Perpetually sweaty. Able to eat ketchup on everything. (laughs) This movie has Tom Hardy. I'm going off memory here. I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in theaters opening weekend. Riz Ahmad. Michelle Williams. Is that yep, who the chick correct. is? Correct. Yep. Um, Jenny Slate. And uh, I, that's all the important people. I don't I think. think there's a lot of other important people. <laughs> you just named all the people I remember from it. And I watched it today. <laughs> well, I need to just say, I would not have remembered Jenny Slate's name had Joseph literally not told it to me two days ago. So <laughs> he does deserve some of the credit. What do we think of this movie, guys? <sighs> okay. I, I watched it a couple days ago because I'm getting psyched for the trying to get psyched, trying to get psyched for the second one. And I had only watched it once in theaters. So it was like the second time I, I saw it. And it is worse than Transformers. Um, I, I think the problem I had with this movie is he does not become Venom until one hour into the movie. And the first hour of that movie is kind of fucking boring. I was a little bored. Uh, I was like looking at my phone. I wasn't focused. But the second half of the movie, when he becomes Venom and they have like their wacky relationship and it kind of gets more zany um 
I think the CGI is okay. It's not the best I've ever seen, but I like it a lot more. Um, so I'm excited. This one, it makes me excited for the second one because I feel like the back half of this movie is a lot stronger than the front. And I'm hoping that with Andy Serkis, maybe they, you know, that they, they, they lean more into that, but definitely worse than Transformers. Riz Ahmed is fucking terrible in this movie. Um, he just is kind of cheesy bad guy. Tom Hardy looks like he's having fun but like i said it just the first half it's kind of like boring sci-fi movie the second half though i do enjoy it more um michelle williams is fine jenny slate's fine it feels like uh it feels like x-men the first x-men like a 90s marvel movie to me uh for better or for worse so that's kind of my my two cents on it definitely it's got a very early 2000 superhero movie vibe to it i i was gonna say that if I don't know if I like woke up from a coma right now and I was unaware of who Tom Hardy was. And somebody showed me this and said, man, this movie was made in 1996. Look how accurately it predicted cell phones and internet and stuff like that. I'd be like, yeah, that, that must be what this is. Cause there's no way this movie was made right now. You know? <laughs> like, it is such like a nineties, like it's the same sort of thinking that got steel made. <laughs> uh, that said, I enjoy this movie. I know you guys don't don't really hang hate on. It, but... Hang on a fucking second before you even <laughs> say one more word. You just said to us five seconds ago that you didn't even fully watch this movie. What percentage of your attention do you feel like you gave it? No, I said I didn't fully watch it this this time when I watched it today. Ah, when I watched it before in the theater, I watched it and I thought it was fun. I think like everybody in this movie you can like see why they took the part. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Michelle Williams was very much as like, well, this is how you keep your name out there. You take one of these movies. <laughs> uh, the, uh, what, what's the actor who plays the bad guy's name again? I'm sorry. Riz Ahmed. Yeah. It, it was very much as like, well, this is where I am right now. I, I got to do one of these movies. Uh, and, uh, Jenny Slate was, <laughs> right, right. Jenny Slate was very much, if I take this one, maybe I'll get into a better superhero movie. And I think she did. She got in. She got into uh, Lego Batman after this, right? Or was that before? I don't know. Time's weird when you get older. But uh, but Tom Hardy, one hundred percent. I think the reason he took this movie is that it was lower stakes than if he had taken like a Marvel movie or if he had, you know, tried to do a movie with Bane or something like that. It was very much like, nobody's going to give a shit what I do with this. So I can just act weird. And it's pretty fun. I'm watching him act weird. It seems like he had fun watching this movie. I mean, doing this movie. Yeah. I think the, you know, again, I haven't watched this movie in three years. So any of my, my opinion walking out of the theater was, yeah, what a waste of my time and my money. And I was, I'm not going to say I was angry, but I certainly was just, I wasn't angry because I had no emotion for it to begin with. I had no, you know, when you have no expectation for a movie, a lot of times that benefits the movie, but I had no expectation for this movie. And I walked out and I had no expectation of how I should feel. I just was like, okay, that was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And yeah, I mean, the longer I've moved away from it, there are things that I can appreciate about it. Tom Hardy being one of them. I don't get it maybe entirely, but it legitimately seems like he loves playing this character and he wants to continue <laughs> to do it. Uh, and I at least respect that. 
So I think that's maybe giving me a more positive influence of where I think the first movie gets a lot wrong. I think there's at least some things there that are worth saving that hopefully with the right creative team, the right director, right writer, we can get right in the future, that there's enough to keep going. But I did not. This movie is worse than Transformers. I did not have a good time watching it. Well, one thing I would say, one thing I enjoy about it is even through his arc of learning and stuff like that, Eddie is never really that great of a guy. He's no. kind of an asshole. He loses his girlfriend or job when she's dating the new guy. I'm sure there was a uh, temptation to make the new guy some kind of jerk or something. But the new guy is so much of a better guy than Eddie. <laughs> like, I also yeah. love that. Touch. <laughs> yeah, I she like that. Definitely stay with that dude. The new boyfriend's usually an asshole, but they actually just swerve and, you know, and they make him actually the nice guy. And yeah, you're right. Eddie Brock is totally an asshole. I, I, like, I, like that he, I like that even after they, Eddie is, comes to understand that he's like a better guy than he is. And he like, <laughs> is, is being really nice to him, like well above and beyond what is required to, of him as a human being and a doctor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> even still at the end of the movie, he's still like, yeah, maybe I'll screw him over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, this movie's bad. It's worse than Transformers. I mean, uh, I don't even know who among us thinks that it has the best opinion about it, but I think we all think it's worse than Transformers. Uh, I do not. I think it's better than Transformers. Okay, well, uh, you're wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it does. It takes a, a literally almost exactly on the nose an hour for like Venom to actually appear on screen. Before that, it's just really bad writing and uh, someone telling Tom Hardy that he can do improv and he can't. <laughs> uh, and then the last half of the movie is a bunch of indecipherable CGI uh, whippy nonsense that looks like well, like shit. It looks like it was made in 1996 with the fucking Spawn movie or something. <laughs> that said, there's a little tiny bit in the middle and at the very end where, you know, it's it's Tom Hardy like just having uh, like his little chats with Venom. And I like their I like their little dynamic. It's dumb, but it's kind of fun. Uh, it's it's the only bit of this movie that I think is redeemable, and theoretically, it's really the only thing that's going to be carried forward. Hopefully, the EFX are better in this one. But uh, you know, if if there is something that went right with this movie, I'm glad it was kind of the fundamental bit of what this whole character is about. I I will say this. I mean, I, I I'm not grading on a curve with this. I legitimately enjoy this movie more than I I I, I do Transformers. I would watch this again before I watch Transformers. It is shorter than but Transformers. It is shorter than Transformers. But I think a lot of my positive opinion on it is I definitely think this is a superhero movie that they made for like. 14 year old dudes not like 35 year old dudes <laughs> and i think they nailed that shit i think if everybody here was 14 everybody would think this shit was awesome yeah i mean it certainly is that and and in that regard it is refreshing i mean i i'm certainly tired of superhero movies that take themselves too seriously and at no point does this movie take itself seriously like <laughs> it very much knows what it is and and again I didn't like that at the time, but I can at least respect that. See, I don't I don't agree. I think it wants to lean in all the way, but it doesn't. Particularly because I feel like especially like the first third of this movie reminded me so much of the Raimi Spider-Man movie that I just watched. Like I feel like Riz Ahmed's character is still trying. Like he's not uh, uh, a cackling, maniacal, evil <laughs> villain, though he should be. Like there's no reason for him to like try and play it as like, "Oh, I'm like 
just kind of a, a corporate asshole who's I don't know like I I feel like no, I'm not saying that he's the right character like the right casting for that character in general but I also just feel like I don't know why they decided to underplay that role when like nothing about this movie is is subtle like just fucking have fun with it I guess I mean he is, is sending poor people to their death I, I know mean, but he's not having fun with it <laughs> the, the, I mean except for the scene where he starts talking about the Bible like it, there's there's never a point where he's like an over the top '90s Batman villain, and I agree that's a missed opportunity. Man, I, again, uh, there's a part of me that feels like they they bought a script and then started making a movie, and then at no point went back to hire a writer to like do anything with the script uh, because it it just reeks of rough draft. Speaking of that monologue, there's a bit where he's talking about how Isaac is the hero in the Abraham sacrificing Isaac story, but never really elaborates why. that really fucking irritated me (laughs) yeah but yeah totally like that part it seems like that part it seems like maybe he started improving and just lost what he was doing part of the way through um i do think this movie also suffers from being an origin story i think they hadn't quite figured out i mean they probably had at this point they should have like to just skip the you know the uncle ben you know the creation part of it like a spider-man and like the most interesting stuff about venom is like carnage and like you know, his relationship, I think, with, like, what they're doing now in the comic books with, like, Noel and, like, some of, like, the alien origin stuff. But they felt like they had to set it up this way, which, like I said, it just, it makes the movie drag. And I, I think it has that thing where it's trying to, to take its time so you can get a trilogy out of it. And I, and I think it suffers for that to a degree. I feel like, not that I have a problem with Eddie is how he's characterized in this movie. Um, like you guys said, he's, he is an asshole. He's not a good dude. And I totally agree, but I don't think they ever really set up venom to be, I'm not even say a villain, but I don't even think he's like, and, and I hate the term anti-hero. like at no point am I like, Oh, this guy, I don't know. Like it just doesn't even, I never question his allegiance and yeah. I feel, I feel no, like they, I kind he's of supposed should to be the, the lethal protector and uh, they don't get there. Like, you know, they basically just like have him foil the other symbiote and then they kind of just leave it open ended. Like they don't take that step to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I say He's a shitty dude, but not like an edgy shitty dude. Like he's yeah, a shitty, yeah. dude, like, <laughs> I'm a shitty dude. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's too relatable in that fact, you know, like right. it, I want someone who chooses to do the good thing, but is going to maybe murder a couple innocent people along the way and, and not have remorse about it. But right. I know I don't ever get that impression in this movie or with this version of this character. Joseph, you said that you, you felt like they, this is a script they bought and then they never went back and like touched it up at all. Yep. I, I would say go further as to say, I feel like at some point, maybe this was a script for a video game. <laughs> mm. Like, I think it was a script for a video game. And I think also that might be what Tom Hardy's interest in. It's like, again, it's like, this is just something I can go with. Like, I don't really have to stick to this too much because it definitely it's bare bones of a story. Yeah, I do feel like we, we're just never going to get Tom Hardy talking like a normal person again. <laughs> I don't know if he knows how to act like a human anymore, but it, it just hasn't <laughs> happened in a long time. <laughs> So, so coming out of this, the, the three of us, you know, watch it, and I guess Jones too. If you're, are you guys excited for part two? Does this movie make you want to watch part two, or does it make you want to avoid part two? I think Dude, I, I am more excited by not watching. <laughs> I was definitely in the minority coming out of the first one because I know a lot of people. 
hated that stinger scene at the beginning. They hated Woody's wig. They hated Woody's handing mesh. And I was just the opposite. I was like, man, I can't wait to see the second movie. And now more so, like, you know, with Andy Serkis directing it, that dude, you know, has a way with over the top handing mesh. Look to his portrayal of uh, of Claw. So I, uh, I'm super excited for the second one. I don't think it's going to be, you know, great cinema or anything i think it'll be a fun dumb movie i mean i am with you hurt i i feel like the key here is to to lean into the hamminess i feel like i feel like that's what worked in the first one even though it wasn't i think the whole tone of the first one and i definitely think that's what they should continue doing uh i don't know I, i i don't know who among us has seen uh mowgli which I as is the only other andy circus direction thing i know but it looked really fucking serious so i don't really know if this is like the tone that he wants to go for. Yeah, that movie sucked really bad. <laughs> really bad. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like I have a more positive opinion of Venom now than I did when I watched it. And that makes me more excited for this one. And again, I feel like there are attributes of the first one that you should lean into. And so far from what we've seen of the sequel, it does seem like they're doing some of that. So, yeah, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. I'm kind of excited because I think, man, like Riz Ahmed, Riot, you know, Riot's like, it's just generic symbiote. At least Carnage, man. Carnage was my favorite Spider-Man villain growing up, you know, and he's, I think he, he could be cool. If, and I think Andy Serkis is probably the right person. So I am, I'm, ex- I'm cautiously optimistic. So we'll see. I'm going to take this opportunity to, to plug a movie I've already plugged on here. that came out the same year as Venom called Upgrade. That was the <laughs> indie alternative uh, where the version of, of Venom is played by Discount Tom Hardy. Uh, it's about a robot and AI instead of a symbiote, but I think the, the action is cleaner and better, and the mini-boss in the movie is played by a guy who looks just like the lead singer from Portugal the Man. Uh, so on, that, <laughs> on those grounds alone, I think it's a better movie. And it's 20 minutes shorter. Symbiote or symbiote? Man, they really want you to say symbiote. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's what that's one thing I was about to say was this is everyone remembers how the Internet got so pissed off when they saw Sonic the first time and they made they made all those hardworking people redraw that dumb little blue hedgehog. But this is the first time the Internet was like, fuck you, fix it or we won't watch it. They saw that trailer where she said symbiote or something weird. I don't remember. And everyone flipped their lid. And you know what? They did it. They changed it. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some good has come out of the internet good for the internet trolls <laughs> if they could fold this into the mcu do you think tom hardy with his talking to the venom character do you think that could work is you know do you think that could mesh keep i had those- that question do do you keep doing that if you make that an mcu thing i think it's interesting and different enough from spider-man like you could put if you could find a way to bring it in like multiverse somehow like you could do a lot of cool stuff with venom because some of the coolest shit with Venom in the comic books is like the symbiote leaves Eddie Brock to like help out like Captain America, or Iron Man. And then you get like symbiote Iron Man. You know what I mean? And like you could do some cool shit with some expensive CGI with that kind of stuff. And it's not R. So I don't think I mean, is it R? I don't know. It's so. PG-13. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think totally it could work. You know what I, I mean? I will say I feel like all that food eating and vomiting stuff should make it R because that shit was worse than most most sex and gore I've seen in movies. I feel like I do. No, want, I, I, I just to your point, Ian, I just want to know, do you think that they continue to do the self inner monologue thing? Because that's not something we've seen at all in the MCU. 
they could get good comedy out of it. It's exactly what Ian says. The fact that, you know, that other people don't hear him. He's just going to be a crazy person standing next to Spider-Man or Dr. Strange or whoever. So, you know, I, no, I think I totally, they could get mileage out of it. And I think it could be fun. Does Tom Hardy want to be in the MCU? Cause he definitely could. He didn't have to do this part. He could have done something else at some point in time. So do we think this is, this, is that really what he wants to do? Man, I, now that's a good question. I don't know. I do think part of, as I said in the beginning, part of what probably brought him to this is he could just kind of do his own thing. And I don't know if he's as interested in it if he's got to be a part of a bigger thing. Yeah. This seems like all we've got on Venom. All right, good. Uh, so that's, that's Venom again. Uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I think is the name of it. It comes out, what did you say, yeah, next week? Uh, Thursday. So tomorrow, Thursday, right? yeah. So yeah. by the time this episode comes out, it will be out. Uh, if this is your shit, hey, you're wrong. You're probably but, a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I, I think th- this is like the most us thing that we've, we've done so far in that we're on time by being three years late. Yeah. Very much so. If you wait long enough, it comes back around. Right. All right, that's Venom. What have we been watching this past week, guys? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, gosh, I was going to talk about animation. Ah, fuck it. I will still, you guys just have to deal with it. Uh, so in preparation for last week's episode, we talked about star Wars visions. I went to the only other anime collection of a live action property I knew of. And that had was available to me, which was the animatrix, which was on HBO max. And listen, there is so much about the animatrix that, was stereotypical of anime at the time and thank God doesn't exist anymore. And it's so hard to go back and watch it. I mean, it just, it's way, way gorier and disgusting that it absolutely needs to be. And now that's a trope of anime that still certainly exists in, in certain places, but um, it's drawn disgustingly. I mean, everything just looks grimy and gross and uncomfortable and people's shapes are just slightly off. And I, most animes that I really enjoy there, they, I enjoy looking at them and there's not a moment in the animatrix that I enjoy looking at it. The, the biggest thing I can, I can really think of is when you watch it, it's like they watched Aeon Flux, which is a, you know, Ian, I don't know if you know what that is. That's a old school anime. Um, Isn't that Charlize Theron? She made the, the live action movie that is terrible, but yes, um, it's like they took that show and thought, well, this is kind of like Ghost in the Shell, which is also like the Matrix. So we'll just make an hour long episode of this, but it'd be Matrix shit. And yeah, it just doesn't work. It, uh, it's it's bad. It's worse than Transformers. Don't watch it. Uh, the other thing I watched this week was Midnight Mass on netflix um this is mike flanagan's new show he made dr sleep haunting a hill house haunting a blind manor um this is the first i believe the first original thing he's done it's not an adaptation of anything it's a seven episode miniseries and i re- that guy is probably one of my favorite directors working today he wrote the first draft of it chapter one which i like that movie i like everything he's made um, and what I was really excited about this was all the reviews were like, it's, you know, Mike Flanagan not suffering to the uh, works of other people. This is his own thing. And it's his scariest. And look, it's fucking great. It really is fantastic. But 
I should not have read reviews before because it's not scary at all. And, and that's fine for me. Like I like Haunting at Blind Manor a lot more than other people do. But people were really disappointed at the lack of scares in that. And this has even less than Haunting in Bly Manor, in my opinion. Um, I don't want to give away the twist. It is a very kind of almost 30 days of night type of thing. It's an isolated village being terrorized by a creature in the night. And these people are trying to you know, figure out what it is, what's hunting them. Um, and it, but it asks a lot of in-depth questions about death, about religion. There's like this, you know, relationship between the Muslim family in the community and who's also the, the local police officer. And then the rest of the, which is a large Catholic population and a lot of discussion. And one of the main characters is an atheist. And he, there's a lot of debate on religion and life after death and all this stuff. And it's really interesting. And it's presented through this monsters movie story. And I really dug it. But if you if you read the review that it's um, if it's really horrifying, you can ignore that. It's not. There is one scene in like the second to last episode that's really fucked. I mean, it is real fucked up, but it doesn't make up for the other seven hours where really nothing happens. So uh, Midnight Mass, better than Transformers. Check it out. I watched the first episode of that, too. And uh, yeah, it just seemed like a kind of like a drama about a rundown island town like it didn't. It, the first episode wasn't scary at all. And and I will say one thing I didn't like already, even though I haven't seen where it comes into play. One thing I really liked about Haunting of Hill House is instead of doing a bunch of shitty makeup for the two time periods, they just cast different people in the two time periods. And this, like, you know, I, I don't know. It, the makeup in this looks like something from the fucking clumps or something. Like, it's how they make the people look older is not great. Yeah, so that is kind of a big issue uh, uh, to your point. It's there's like a cocoon story element in this. Right. And uh, because the makeup is so shitty about 20 minutes in, I'm like, why would you cast such a young person? Oh, you're going to de-age that person. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. And it, yeah, but I thought it's it was just very obvious. Flashbacks. Yeah. No, no, no. OK, right. Uh, but so spoilers for that. But right. it happens pretty quickly. Um, I Telling me that actually gets me to watch. Gets me to go back and watch it because right now I wasn't, I wasn't like dying to watch the second episode. Yeah, I would say to Joseph specifically, it probably is really scary for you because anytime the like people think they see the creature like walking in the street or whatever, there's a really loud string note, and I know how you feel about sounds, so maybe you should avoid it because you would that would make you jump. I thought specifically this is a Joseph jump thing. I mean, eighty percent of horror is auditory, so yeah, that's not yeah. my deal. <laughs> that's it. I watched one other thing, but I'll talk about it next week. I talked about Animatrix and Midnight Mass too long. Um, so uh, I guess this week I will actually talk about Santa Barbara. But before I start, there's a thing on YouTube. Uh, two short films, John Bronco. And John Bronco rides again. Are either are any of y'all aware of these? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Then just just listen to me as hard as you fucking can and watch these things. They're fucking hilarious. Uh, it's it's Walton Goggins as a pitch man for the Ford Bronco, and it is fucking hilarious. I died watching it from laughter. I, this is a ghost right now. It's not me. <laughs> really, really fucking good. Wally Goggs is the best. And that dude still looks good with his shirt off. He's like 50. You know, they're still home. Okay. So if anybody uh, didn't listen to me three weeks ago, 
uh, rant on about why I was going to talk about the 80s soap opera Santa Barbara. Please, please go back and listen to that so I don't say it again. And one thing I don't feel I didn't get across in that is that I was fucking psyched. I was really excited to be, have this access to this entire soap opera every single episode and I was going to get to watch it. I was fucking excited. So at launch, when this thing launched in 1984, NBC pushed it as a pretty big deal. They had it coming out of the Olympics. They had advertised a lot for it. It was created by Bridget and Jerome Dobson, who were kind of soap opera royalty by this point uh, and who I'm fans of. So that was another reason I was pretty excited about this. And the first episode of it going into it is actually plays out like a pilot, which is odd for soap opera. Soap opera first episodes are usually like they almost want to trick you into thinking you came into the middle of something. The few of them that are online somewhere, if you watch them, they all they they make you feel like you've already missed part of the story they you just sort of come into the middle of it the craziest one of those would be the first episode of ryan's hope which the one of the central characters of it starts falling down the stairs and i mean when you come into the character he's mid falling downstairs and spends the entire first episode falling downstairs it's pretty bananas but that's how soap opera pilots are but this one actually has a pretty good concept to begin with uh it begins with you meet uh channing capwell jr and his brother mason uh channing's called to a room in a party and he's murdered and then we fast forward to five years later of how this has affected everyone in that dude's life it's a pretty good hook like I said, it's rare for soap operas to do that. And really, that storyline stays with it for its entire nine-year run, from what I understand, which is also pretty crazy. First impressions of the show as it gets started, it's the blondest show that has ever been on television. They launch with four main families, the Capwells, which has five blonde children, the Lockridges, which have two blonde children, <laughs> the... Uh, the working class Perkins family, three blonde children, and the working class Andrade family, who are Mexican immigrants, who you'd think would have no blonde children, but the central one from him, Santana, is blonde somehow. Is this a they children are, of the corn prequel? It really, it's like you start to wonder: is it is this just because it was the eighties and being <laughs> you know blonde was more of a thing, or is this somebody's boner? But they quickly start <laughs> introducing more blonde. And like, there's some weird things with the blondness. Like, for instance, there's a character called Dominic who shows up pretty early, who seems to know something about the Channing murder. And he has a blonde hair and a blonde wig, but is quickly uh, revealed to actually be a blonde lady. There's another character named Jade who is already blonde, but she has the dreams of being a Hollywood actress. And for her uh, auditions, she will put on a blonde wig as F to appear more blonde. The other striking characteristic of Santa Barbara when it starts is that it's fucking awful. It's the, it, it starts off as maybe the worst thing I have ever put in my eye holes. Just writing, acting, execution, all of it's just like plan nine from outer space, the room bad. And man, this was, uh, you know, this was distressful for me. Like I was, I had committed to I was going to watch this and I was super excited about it because what I known of it was it was a, you know, sort of critically acclaimed soap opera. 
And so far, I was just thinking it was awful. But I, I looked it up, did some research, and apparently at the time, it was considered the worst thing on television, which is crazy for 1984, because like fucking Knight Rider was on TV in 1984. Like you could have a you, you could have a fucking whole television show just about helicopter ownership in fucking 1984. So it was pretty fucking bad. I think part of the, the problem is the young, fresh faced blondes. There are so many who are doing on the job training and and you know sort of learning at a uh, different rate uh you know robin wright is an original cast member of this and she's pretty bad in the beginning but she catches on pretty quickly she plays kelly capwell and uh her boyfriend in it joe perkins who was accused of channing's murder he is played by this guy named dame witherspoon who's the prettiest human being i've ever seen in my life like just so goddamn handsome, but he's the worst actor I've ever seen in my life at the beginning. He kind of is like in Boogie Nights when Marky Mark is playing Dirk Diggler, playing the porn character. That's what his real acting is like. This one also has a uh, sort of thing to, that crippled it in the beginning in that they had cast their main villain and he died like seconds before shooting. So that they is, have that is a problem. <laughs> and like recasts are pretty, you know, like common in soap opera. And the emergency recast is a thing that happened, but I've never heard of it happening like at the beginning. So they had to start with a temporary recast. And then a month later had another guy that they fired to play who also didn't last. They had to go through four CC Capwells before they find their CC Capwell. So that that was also kind of a mess. Also in the beginning, they make the really weird decision to hold their best people off. There's like three or four actors that that they sort of let show up about and it seems like in about 20 episode intervals. And each one of them are way better than the launch cast. You know, I don't know why they decided to hold them, hold them off. They really need him from the beginning. Chief among them, uh, A. Martinez is Cruz Castillo. Uh, that guy is the, is definitely a shot in the arm when he gets there. First of all, he's not blonde, so that's pretty fucking good. But he uh, seems to not give a fuck about being on a soap opera, and it works out for him. He thinks he's in a he thinks he's in a Scorsese movie, and that again that that that's pretty refreshing. Easily the best uh, the best actor at launch was Lane Davis as Mason Kaplan, but he has this great sort of sarcastic delivery and just this almost like nihilistic self hatred that uh, that he's just uh, you know a delight to watch. And they have no fucking clue how to write for that guy. It takes them at least a hundred episodes to figure out how to write for that dude. And then his sister Eden, when she's when she's uh, in, introduced, about sixty episodes in, that really is what the show will end up being known for: is Eden and Cruz and their sort of super couple romance. But they don't understand what they've got on their hands at first, and they keep pushing Joe and Kelly. So it goes on, and it continues to be super super bad. But one of my favorite things soap operas do is someone writing for a soap opera or whatever will go see a movie on like a Friday after work and then come back to work on Monday and say, I'm just going to do that movie on our show or I'm just going to do that book on our on their show. And somebody on this show 
read Red Dragon over the weekend and came home and said, hey, let's do serial killers. So they do a serial killer called the Carnation Killer. And it's it's honest to God, a fucking head injury. I swear to God. It's, <laughs> you know, like like there's a character on it who's kind of villainous uh, named Peter Flint. He had been Kelly's uh, fiance, but he gets a head injury in a battle with Joe. And then he starts seeing visions that cause him to kill. And what does he start killing? He starts killing blonde people. That well, is his like MO. It, it sounds like that's his only option. <laughs> well, that's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point. Because I really think this was a cost-saving measure, too. They're like, hey, man, we got to get rid of some of this fucking cast. So I didn't even think of that. But that's the best shorthand. Like, well, we'll just have his MO is that he kills uh, blonde people. Also, around this same time, they make the decision to recast Joe right when the dude's learning how to act. He's finally getting it together, and they just recast him. And the new guy has no chemistry with the rest of the cast and it fucking sucks. But the carnation killer, you know, kills a bunch of blonde ladies and they they get some good mileage out of it. Kelly has to defend herself with a chainsaw at one point, which is pretty happening for an 80s soap <laughs> opera. And, uh, and finally it ends in a big battle between Joe and the carnation killer where they, where they kill each other. And Joe dies, like, definitively. And I should say, up until this point, Joe is easily the main character of this show. This is, uh, you know, this is many, many years before Ned Stark. This guy was the central character, and they just stone-cold did, Didn't you him. just say they recast him? They had recast him, that's true. They recast, they recast him. the main character? They recast the main character, and then, within two months, killed him. <laughs> like, it's, uh, you know... But I mean, it kind of opened the show up at that point. Like they like it was sort of a new start for them. And I think I've talked about this enough this week. So I'll talk about that gets us to about uh, episode 150 on Santa Barbara. Next week, I'll talk about the rest of Santa Barbara. I've watched. I can't believe you're going to subject us to this again. Good God. <laughs> I, I just want to I, I, I feel like I would have done a better job of this. Except I had Captain G.D.'s for lunch, and I'm real scatterbrained because I feel like I'm going to vomit. I mean, that's uh, what did you expect? You know, like like once a year, I look at Captain D's and I'm like, hey, that looks pretty good. You live on a coast town. That's fucking insanity to me. It, yeah, it was, but you got to like go somewhere and do something to eat real seafood. It, like, blo- you know? it blows my mind that we can sustain Captain D's and Red Lobster in this fucking town. The it's entire concept like, of fast food fish is mind-boggling. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not like everybody in Texas doesn't eat McDonald's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Well, cool. Look, I've watched some good things, but if I don't feel like anyone's made it far enough on here to, to <laughs> actually pitch them. Uh, and I don't even know if anybody listens to my anime recs anyway, so I'll just save them for some other time when I'm feeling it. Uh, the wife and I rewatched BNA. Uh, which is also made by Trigger, who made two of the Star Wars Vision shows. I loved it when I first watched it. I loved it more the second time. My wife might have liked it even more than I did. Uh, it's a really fun show. It's uh, have you watched Have you watched season two of Beast Stars yet? I haven't seen season one of Beast Stars because I'm afraid of what it'll do to me. Uh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> DNA is the certainly the more tame version. Sure. Yeah. It, I I feel like that's as far as I want to dip my toes in that water. And then uh, I watched, I finally watched, there's a uh, Made in Abyss movie. There's currently only one season. I think the second season is in production. It's, it's a really good 
if fairly deceptively dark, like adventure kind of show, but just one of those things you like the show, you like the movie, but it's such a confusing show because it looks like it's going to be really harmless. It's, it's got this very like big uh, round, like chibi art style for all the characters and the world at large. But like some of the most fucked shit I've ever seen happen happens in this show. And it's not even like supposed to be like, it's kind of supposed to be shocking, I guess, but it's not designed to be like out of character. Like, it's just like, this is a really harsh environment and really harsh things happen here. Uh, but it's really, I mean, it's good, but it's also really fucked, but it's better than Transformers. Those are my two things. Cool. Cool. I wanted to, I, I talked to you guys a little about it, but I watched something on HBO max that I think is worth a watch. Uh, the white Lotus. It is a mini series about a resort in Hawaii and about, the guests and the employees and kind of their exploits over the week. It's like a dark comedy. It's written by Mike white, who did a bunch of like the, the orange County movie with Jack black. He did school rock. He did Nacho Libre. Um, it stars Connie Britton, Jennifer Coolidge, Alexander Dario. The guy who played like new Jim on the last season of the office plays this great, like rich asshole who's on his honeymoon. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, it's only six episodes, which I like. It's funny. It's a bit vulgar, so I don't know. It definitely, it's definitely like a hard R. There's a lot of like sex stuff in it. But um, did but Susie yeah. watch it with you? Susie did watch it with me. She was into it. She's like, "This is a bit more vulgar than I would normally watch." Um, <laughs> but she's like, "I I don't I want to know what happens with these characters." So basically, it's like just a week, and it does a really good job of like building tension through the music. It has this song that is like playing in the background constantly. And then as like these social situations keep like adding more and more pressure, it gets louder and louder. And uh, it's definitely well done. It makes you want to go to Hawaii. It's probably, it's the best thing I've watched in a while. I, uh, I, I definitely think it's better than Transformers. Um, if so, if any of our listeners or anyone's in a lull for something to watch, it's a good like couple of nights, you know, two nights, it's two episodes a night. He knock it out in three nights. It's pretty good. So recommended better than Transformers. Alexander Daddario is very, very hot. Also, <laughs> <laughs> she's the girl from. If you don't know who she is, she's the girl who Woody Harrelson was sleeping with in True Detective season one. Like, oh yeah, the girl who's sometimes a rock's girlfriend and sometimes his daughter. Exactly. exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never thought about that, but fuck that. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn. So anyway. if, if, this, if this is from the guy from, uh, who did uh, Nacho Libre, does that also mean it's from the guy uh, that did Napoleon Dynamite, or am I getting my guys mixed? He might have contributed to that. I, I looked up his IMDb before I, before I got on this call today, and I didn't see that one, but it's possible I overlooked it. I looked at it very quickly. Right on. Oh, so Kurt, you almost killed me there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's it for this week. Uh, next week, what do we want to do? Do we want to do Venom? Like the Venom the two? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. I could probably make time for it, but I could also do something else. Uh, look, I don't want to listen, guys. <laughs> we we can absolutely do Venom two, but it's my anniversary this weekend, and there's no fucking way I'm going to see that. Yeah, that's fair. That's not a good idea. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> didn't you say you're going to go see Dear Evan Hansen? We could do Dear Evan Hansen. I also don't know that I'm going to see that, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, my wife, my wife is very much in control of what we do for our anniversary. So, um, as it should be. We'll yeah, no, I, I don't care. I think this weekend Sarah wants to watch Dear Evan Hansen. I want to watch uh, 
I want to watch Venom. So if we're doing it on either of those, just let me know. All right. Well, uh, next week, Venom or Dear Evan Hansen or something else. You know, there's no rules here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have any thoughts about Venom, if you're just glad that we talked about it, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. And if you, you love Tom Hardy in a, in a lobster tank, just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed that scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can also reach us on Facebook uh, and Twitter at Real Funnies and on Instagram at Real underscore Funnies. Thanks, Zach Evans, for our and Bible Lessons for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. <laughs>